Welcome back to the conversation that we absolutely love having with you right here on Fox Souls Black Report. Hello, soulmates inside of this Fat Tuesday, February 21st. Uh, we're following the top headlines, including the promise lawyer Ben Crump is making to the black community and what corporate America really thinks of black hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. <laughs> yeah, black hair. <laughs> Black beard. You don't have much of it on, uh-huh. on the top there. Uh, well, you know, that could change in a in a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have the latest in the Don Lemon debate mm. and what Facebook is doing to make you feel validated. Okay. It's the stories that impact our people. It's our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into the conversation, shall we? In and around the city of New Orleans this Tuesday. Just isn't any old Tuesday, it's Mardi Gras, the culmination of a weeks-long celebratory season known as Carnival. In 2021, COVID-19 canceled the celebrations, and last year, a police officer shortage cut the parade routes nearly in half, but this year, the good times are rolling just as they used to. Huge floats rolling through the French Quarter. Uh, there's uh, music, vibrant outfits, and of course, the beads, the beads, the beads. Now, I've never done, you know, what you are, you know, somewhat required or requested You've to do. you never heard beads? I have, but let me tell you, I lived in Mobile for a number of years, and their claim to fame is that Mardi Gras originally started in Mobile. I know this story is back in the early 1700s by a Frenchman, of course. And at that time, what I didn't know until I moved down there is that Mobile at one point in that era was the capital of Louisiana, which is which is why New Orleans and Mobile go back and forth about, uh-uh, it was us, uh-uh, it was us, because by the 1800s, there were folks who brought in the floats. It started as a march in the streets, and then you had, by the 18, early 1800s, and there were floats and things. So all I can say is both of them state claim all I can say is uh, Mardi Gras is more family friendly in Mobile you ain't doing no beads it, it action ain't family friendly in, in, in New Orleans, Orleans. <laughs> that's not happening in especially Mobile especially Mardi Gras after dark I know that's the biggest difference <laughs> that would be the biggest difference yeah but yeah. you know I've never been to Mardi Gras before no. um, it's it's it's, it's huge yeah you know I think it could be a really great experience mm-hmm. um, I um I'm not a big fan of like the big crowds. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's I don't mind like a crowd concert now. crowd, but like mm-hmm. this is like like a you get lost and swept into the crowd. Kind but what of crowd. I think you would enjoy are the balls. A lot yeah. of the balls can be, you know, pretty mm-hmm. exclusive. Like I do. And I think <laughs> and I think you would love the guests because a lot of times there's concerts, yeah. you know, at the balls. They have a great artist come in and perform. I think you would enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah. Maybe not out in the streets hollering and screaming and throwing throwing candy and, and bears and beads and you know bears oh. yo they throw stuffed animals everything oh wow oh yeah okay. it's okay. a party honey well listen hmm. we our road trip list is growing, it's growing. Courtney, That's and it. i know our soulmates are tracking it and so i don't know maybe <laughs> next year we'll do mardi gras that maybe works. we'll do fox souls black report from mardi gras speak it maybe we'll do that well um Nevada could soon join four other states that recently used the ballot box to remove involuntary servitude, a.k.a. slavery, from their state's constitution. This month, members of the Nevada Assembly's Legislative Operations and Elections Committee approved Assembly Joint Resolution 10 that would ask voters whether to amend the state constitution to remove language that permits slavery or involuntary servitude as punishment for crimes if approved by the Nevada legislature. The referendum question will go before voters in the 2024 general election. Courtney, can you believe that in 2023, 
Here we are talking about involuntary servitude, which is connected to the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. So the fact that there are so many states that still have this, this outdated language mm -hmm. uh, in their Constitution, that's a problem. And not too long ago, I talked to uh, Representative uh, Sydney Comlogger Dove, who, when she was in the California State Senate, uh, she left the led the effort to push California to get rid of involuntary uh, servitude from mm -hmm. the California State Constitution. Mm -hmm. uh, that effort uh, failed, uh, although folks in the Senate continue uh, to make the case for that. But you know, the fact that uh, so many states across the country, yeah. you know, are trying to change this. Louisiana, we were just talking about uh, Fat Tuesday, Louisiana. Uh, this question became before them and they said, nah. The fact that this is even a discussion and you're saying if it passes to take it to the voter, what is there to take? This is 2023. And I mean, this should be so once removed from any any docket, any any legislators conversation. It is it is it is scary and it's infuriating at the, at the same time. Yeah. And I think the part that, that people miss from this mm -hmm. is that there are folks that are incarcerated, you know, that uh, are working behind bars and they're working for pennies and it's the involuntary servitude uh, piece that allows for that to happen. And so, you know, even while people are serving their time, I think a lot of us uh, would agree that they are still human beings, that they still should be afforded human rights and dignity. And uh, too often we know that's not happening uh, behind bars. And so this involuntary servitude amendment uh, would make a difference for uh, yeah. our family members that are currently incarcerated. True, but the conversation is still a slap in the face to humanity as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's move on here. American's top attorney says he promises to stop Florida's aim at removing AP black horses. This is your thing. The mm -hmm. court civil rights attorney Ben Crump took to the stage during Sunday Sunday's 102nd annual Lincoln Douglas Freedom Fund banquet and called out Florida Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, our boy, mm. <laughs> for his anti-CRT anti <laughs> rhetoric and legislature, uh, telling the audience he would do everything in his power to oppose DeSantis and saying, quote, I refuse to let Governor DeSantis exterminate black history. I refuse to let anybody exterminate black history because black history is American history. And I second, third, fourth and fifth that because that's been the basis of, of my comeback when we've had these discussions here at Foxhole's Black Report. I mean, we talk about this so often, and this is one of, you know, the big questions that, that that's before the American people, and we're seeing this this fight manifest state by state. We mm -hmm. see it in Florida. We're seeing, you know, uh, efforts to to undercut not just black history, you know, but diversity, equity, and inclusion mm -hmm. uh, training and efforts in places like Texas. Um, I was just talking to Representative Clyburn this past Sunday mm -hmm. on my radio show on KBLA. We were talking about the efforts that are afoot in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, and right now in Charleston, uh, there's an effort that's being led by the uh, South Carolina Freedom Caucus. Uh, uh, to uh, essentially do in uh, Charleston what uh, DeSantis is doing in Florida, right? And so we're seeing these efforts, you know, to go after critical race theory, even though we know mm -hmm. critical race theory is not taught in schools. Mm -hmm. uh, critical race theory is really a graduate level mm -hmm. uh, a part of a graduate level curriculum, but you know we know that that in you know in in Charleston, South Carolina, folks are pushing back against that narrative. And instead of critical race theory, they said, you know what we're doing? You know, uh, we're we're it's culturally relevant teaching. 
culturally relevant teaching, you know, that is the kind of CRT that's happening in places like Charleston, you know, not the efforts that, you know, folks like the South Carolina Freedom Caucus and, and uh, Governor Ron DeSantis' ilk uh, is, is proposing. And so- I, I know for me, you know, going back to high school, you know, now that I've got a little wisdom, a little age on me, a little knowledge on me, I know going back for me, I would have loved for a requirement to, to alongside of Shakespeare, to be like a Harlem Renaissance course. That had been right up my alley because I really didn't get into that until maybe college when I took specific courses that were designed to, to delve into that um, particular time in, in our history. But but never was that there that type of a, of a choice uh, in high school. But I can tell you Shakespeare mm-hmm. <laughs> was definitely a requirement. So that that's my burn right there is that our history is American history and I should have had a choice or there should have been a requirement also so to, to, to balance the culture out and, and have some black studies in high school as well. Yeah, and, and African-American studies has always been, you know, a topic of contention for mm-hmm. a lot of folks. And so, you know, the, the struggle continues. And so but does the, they're not the debate win. and the fight. That's it. That's right. That's right. Well, moving on, uh, speaking of the struggle, the Crown Act was started to prevent discrimination in, in the workplace based on our hair. Well... There's a new study that's showing us just how important the Crown Act is as lawmakers work tirelessly for the bill to be passed nationwide. The fight to end race-based hair discrimination continues. A new study commissioned by Dove and LinkedIn found that black women's hair was two and a half times more likely to be perceived as, get this y'all, unprofessional in the workplace. Yeah, the data revealed that 66% of black women often change their hair for a job interview, with many opting for a straight hairstyle over their natural coils. You know, we've even heard uh, former First Lady, forever First Lady Michelle Obama talk about, you know, how as First Lady, she felt that pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, to give us straight hair, you know, nothing kinky, not too many coils, not too many curls. well, not only, you know, First Lady, but pretty much, you know, I think it's safe to say everyone, in particular in my in my field, which was journalism, where it's like, you know, you have to look this certain way and they'll even hire you based upon a look. And then if you go about changing that look, there's a, a lot of times there's been, a, you know, a big uh, to do in, in the newsroom, if you will. Um, Taking some of the positive from the pandemic, it we were able better, better able to express ourselves uh, culturally. But a lot of that came out of the fact that we just couldn't get to our salons, we couldn't get to our stylists, mm-hmm. and so we were left to our own devices. And and some colleagues, female colleagues, were just like, "I'm done. I'm taking the tracks out. This is my hair. I'm going to braid it up, and you're going to get this news this way or not." And I think some of that is is a stick and stay. And I think some of that we're still obviously debating. Based Based upon stories like that, I know for me, it's just the, the 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 texture of my hair. It's a little too thin, and y'all would be looking in my brain, watching me think. So for me, it's protective and it gives me more body. And this is just what I prefer. Would I prefer to go curly with with even this hair? Absolutely. But sometimes I'm on the fence, like, uh, how would that be perceived? Maybe a little too casual. So I mean, the debate continues, and I think you know, as Black women, we just have to stay vigilant. And it's not just hair on your head, but it's also beards, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember. A time where wearing a beard, you know, was considered unprofessional, uh, no, no. and yeah. and you know, I'm I'm you know almost 40 years old, right? And so the fact that in my lifetime, I remember being in journalism school and mm-hmm. and feeling that pressure, to, you gotta 
shave it all off, mm -hmm. right? And for black men and black skin, you know, uh, that can be real dicey. Okay. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason uh, why uh, we need uh, protections from hair discrimination uh, in the workplace. There we go. All right, just two months after being released from a Russian prison, Brittany Griner has signed a new contract to play in the WNBA. Lots of folks are welcoming this news. Houston native Brittany Griner will return to the WNBA this May. She re-signed a one-year deal with the Phoenix Mercury. She last played for the Mercury back in 2021, helping the team reach the WNBA Finals. Uh, Griner missed last season, of course, after being imprisoned in Russia for nearly 300 days. It is good to see her, um, you know, still in recovery, moving back to um, what she loves the most, which is, you know, being on court, helping uh, to win championships. And I, I believe this also speaks to her healing and her progress that she is at a point now where she's ready to return to the game, ready to return to those kind of, you know, pressures and that kind of spotlight. And so that's what I take from stories like this, that this healing must be going in a direction or returning to the game as a part of her healing. Uh, nevertheless, it's good to see her progress. It's good to see her progress and it's good to see, you know, her team sort of standing by her. That's right. um, I couldn't imagine her team not renewing uh, her contract, mm -hmm. especially considering what she's been through. But I was surprised that her contract wasn't extended for a little bit longer than year. Well, it's probably, you know, still a little questionable, no different from, you know, if there was some kind of physical injury, mm -hmm. you know, we don't know emotionally how this continues to take a toll. Um, you know, she wasn't active when she was, uh, you know, in lockdown. So there's probably still some gray areas, but I think the contract being extended um, is, is, a, is, a, is speaking to um, their belief in her that she'll be able to fully bounce back. And so they're probably just taking it one, one, one step at a time, one, one contract at a time. Well, we certainly hope that she bounces back. And speaking of bouncing back, we'll see what happens. CNN anchor Don Lemon will reportedly return to the network's air tomorrow following backlash over comments that he made about women, which many critics say was sexist. Take a listen for yourself. All the talk about age makes me uncomfortable. I think that I think it's the wrong road to go down. She says people, you know, politicians or something are not in their prime. Nikki Haley isn't in her prime. Sorry. When a woman is considered to be in her prime in her 20s and 30s and maybe 40s. What are you that's, not Wait. I, that's not according to me. Ooh, we oui. said it was according to, you know, a Google search and stats. And this is what the stats say. Listen, you know, some of the background to this is that, you know, that's a new show. It may or may not be doing as well as other iterations of the show. You're hearing grumblings that they don't get along as 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 castmates. But but listen, um, you know, folks are very sensitive nowadays. We live in the world of social media. You just have to really be either careful and or thoughtful um, with what you say and how you say it. I just turned 52 last week. I feel I'm very much in my prime and I don't see, you know, the younger ended generation coming into this industry. They're not a threat to me. As a matter of fact, I hold them very close to my bosom. Mm -hmm. You know, big sis, auntie court, because they keep me on top. They keep me fresh. They, they keep me popping, you know, and so there's no threat there. But I also feel you know, as I do, you know, evolve uh, as far as age is concerned, I think that brings more wisdom. I think that brings life experience yeah. and that's needed too. So 
Don, I, you know, I don't know. He's been off for, for a minute. I don't know what's, what's happening, but you just have to either be careful or watch how you say it. Yeah, I mean, I think he clearly slipped and in, 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 in he probably should have consulted multiple sources, so more than just Google. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, we all say things from time to time mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, you know, looking back, like, mm, probably shouldn't have said mm -hmm. that or, or that didn't come out so artfully. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will say this. This is what's so strange to me about the whole Don Lemon debate. Mm. Nobody's talking about what Nikki Haley said. Remember Nikki Haley, who recently announced uh, her presidential bid uh, uh, as a GOP nominee. Mm -hmm. uh, she she proposed having uh, a cognitive test, a series of tests for anybody that runs for president over the age of 75, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was how this conversation started. And so really, he was responding to an ageist comment, and it seems like he made an ageist comment. And mm -hmm. nobody's really talking enough about that. But I would agree with that. But we'll see what happens this week as Don heads back uh, to the desk. All right, let's move over to Georgia where police arrested a former elementary school employee after he allegedly licked and tickled the foot of a seven-year-old boy. 26-year-old uh, Corey Rollins is in custody after officer says the boy's guardian said that Rollins came up to the seven-year-old while he was in a, fenced, uh, in, in a fenced play area at an urban air adventure park. That's when Rollins proceeded to tickle the seven-year-old's uh, feet and then asked the minor to take off his socks and licked his feet. Rollins was alone at the park, but officers say he was with family who left before the incident happened. This is so strange, so off, so weird and so disturbing most most of them most of all double click double click on disturbing disturbing all caps uh, let's call this what it is how is this not child abuse mm -hmm. um, you know this is a this is a, a little kid uh, who could not have possibly understood what was happening here I think for a lot of the adults that are mm -hmm. uh, that are watching this that are listening mm -hmm. to this we understand what this mm -hmm. uh, at least appears to be and um, it is disturbing it, it is. is it is child abuse and as far as I'm concerned, it should be handled by the authorities as such. Yeah, molestation. And, and listen here, you know, the background on this guy is that he is a former former educator. So I know this was, you know, off school grounds in more of a, um, a social setting. But uh, they need to peel back the layers and see if he's, you know, violated any other students in any other way while he had, you know, direct contact with them in a classroom or in a school. So so even more so disturbing his background leads to 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 believe that maybe there's there's something else to investigate because this might not be his first violation. Well, hopefully, and, and he has no no place being in anybody's Absolutely school, not. Uh, even while this investigation is taking place. Mm -hmm. Coming up, a new subscription service from Meta. Yeah, what Facebook is doing to make sure your image is protected. That and more coming up on Fox Soul's Black Report on Fat Tuesday. Did you get the Portuguese? All right, soulmates, welcome back. It's the Black Report, the place for our news, our views, and our voice. Now, Meta is following Twitter's lead. That's Facebook. I keep forgetting that it's this Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't quite get into the Meta thing. Now, the company just announced it's testing a subscription service for Instagram and Facebook users that would charge them to get verified. CEO Mark Zuckerberg is calling the service Meta Verified and will start at $11.99 a month on the web or $14.99 on iOS. 
Zuckerberger says the company will begin releasing the service in Australia and New Zealand this week. And it looks like it's, it's, it's going well for the competitor, uh, Twitter. I know they've got a program going on mm -hmm. right now where you can pay. They'll give you a blue check. You can edit uh, tweets and things of that nature. That seems to be going well. So, And maybe that might have been the influence uh, for Zuckerberg and his crew. Uh, to start this type of service. Plus, it's, it makes some money. I mean, you're charging folks. I think that's really the motivation. <laughs> this is really about how can we monetize, you know, uh, the platform even more, um, especially, you know, in light of recent projections where mm -hmm. they're not making as much money uh, as they used to, but still making a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the, the issue that I have with this mm -hmm. is it's in the vetting, right? And so if any old body can just pay to be verified, then what's the point of being verified? I was going to say, how does it, how do you differentiate? Because that was the whole to-do, you know, when social media first yeah. came out. Ooh, you got a blue check, blue check. And Instagram is tough getting that blue check. I know Facebook, for me, I'm verified. They came to me, and it's you would think because they're the same folks that they you would automatically get instified, uh, verified, whether instified. I like that, <laughs> instified on Instagram. But I've had a tough time with that. So I don't know quite know what that criteria is. But I know this, you know, levels the playing field and, you know, maybe it'll help everybody you know feel as important as everybody should feel I just know it takes away the significance of what the blue check was all about in the first place yeah but I don't think it just levels the playing field I think it actually creates an opportunity for bad actors to yeah. take advantage of it and mm -hmm. so especially as we're gearing up for the next big election in 2024 mm -hmm. I think it makes it a lot easier for people that you know want to spread misinformation and disinformation well now they can do it just by paying for a subscription and uh, get to a get their, their blue check and so and so yeah. I wonder, you know, uh, you know, when uh, uh, Meta is going to roll out, what the criteria is, mm -hmm. and and how they are going about vetting mm -hmm. folks that are uh, applying for the subscription service. Because right now it sounds like, you know, you, you get just a blue pay check. for it, you get a blue check, you, got you it. get a blue check, you got yeah, it, you we'll know. See. But but speaking of folks who got it. Mm. Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, they got it at the NAACP Image Awards. They are said to be honored okay. at the 2023 Image Awards. Uh, it was recently announced the Wades would receive the President's Award during the organization's 54th ceremony. Throughout the years, Gabrielle and Dwayne have put in uh, efforts to uh, promote LGBTQ rights. Uh, they've also assisted in increasing awareness for racial and social justice. In addition, the Wades have raised money, a little moolah, uh, through their Wade Family Foundation to help communities with health care uh, efforts and efforts to, to end bullying uh, and discrimination in schools. Now, in the past, celebrities such as Rihanna, Jay-Z, and Muhammad Ali have been recipients of the award for their humanitarian work. Let me tell you work. something. You're going to get this black love. Whether you agree with their love or not, whether you agree with their parenting or not, you are going to get this black love. They go everywhere together, almost to the point where you go, but but I get it, and, and I, I, I'm impressed by it. I enjoy it. Again, whether, you, whether you're digging on, you know, Dwayne Wade and, and his wife or not, I think it's a, it's a beautiful example of togetherness and making that thing work. They, they've been over the years a lot more expressive about their challenges. It's not just this, you know, white picket fence fairy tale thing. We know there was a baby on a break. We know the challenges with, with having a, a, a child who has transitioned. And I think they've done a great job. And whether you agree with them, with them or not, um, you know, from the outside looking in, 
it's it's a good look what they what they're putting out there the, the messages to, of togetherness that they're perpetuating and the legacy we're seeing so mm -hmm. many examples of what it looks like to build you know a rich legacy we've yeah. talked about LeBron James mm -hmm. and we've talked about Michael Jordan and you know some uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce mm -hmm. and, and so many of uh, other luminaries particularly in the entertainment space but really uh, it's really wonderful really refreshing mm -hmm. to see how Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union have used their platform mm -hmm. um, I think they have helped to mainstream uh, conversations around supporting trans youth uh, uh, in particular uh, but you know she's been uh, outspoken Dwayne Wade's been outspoken yeah. on you know Black Lives Matter related efforts and even holding Hollywood accountable mm -hmm. uh, on diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, work. And so yeah. uh, we salute you, and clearly now, the NAACP does too. Some of Dwayne Wade's uh, fashion choices, <laughs> but he's still my guy. <laughs> he can go out there sometimes. All right, let's uh, move from basketball to uh, golf. Tiger Woods is apologizing for his controversial joke on a fellow golfer after outdriving Justin Thomas. Woods handed him a tampon on the course. Thomas threw it away and the two laughed and hugged as they walked off the tee. Tiger said players play pranks on each other all, all the time and he did not mean to offend anyone. I think this goes back to what we just said about Don Lemon. You know, um, you know, you, you got to be careful. You have to be more conscious of what you do it and how you doing it. Obviously, this is something that they that they do, you know, on the on the course. Um, how this was like one of the first times we've as public have kind of seen and they got a hold of. I don't know if that speaks to cameras are everywhere and people are catching things everywhere. I happen to believe it's it's tasteless and I'm surprised it really hasn't backfired as much as you as you as you would think it would um, because it is so you know tasteless but you know if this is the culture of, of what goes on in the course it's it's on the golf course it's new to me it's just one of those moments you go really I actually have a slightly different take hmm. you know I, you know I actually think that sometimes there are conversations that we have in private that aren't public mm -hmm. right you know and so there are conversations that we have off air that we wouldn't necessarily have on air sure. right? Right. And so maybe there were, there's a rapport that they have, there's a banter that they have, there's mm -hmm. a, a running joke that they have that's just not for public consumption. And so I think sometimes, you know, we got to, you know, fall back a little bit and recognize, that, yeah, there are things that, that publicly, yes, in poor taste, mm -hmm. you know, but privately, you know, if it's a conversation just sort of among friends, you know, maybe it's a conversation among friends. But this was a public display, so that's where it went left for me. Well, so I, I think he was trying to sneak him the, 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 the tampon. You can't sneak nothing nowadays. <laughs> no, sir, you cannot, which, just, is, which is why we sit up here talking about it I'm, on Fox Old Black Report. I'm just saying, everything is not for just public use consumption. Better judgment. Use better judgment, like, come on, Tiger. I, I agree. Use better <laughs> judgment in public, for sure. Uh, and speaking of the public here uh, in Detroit, the city of Detroit is bringing a little more beauty to its neighborhood as they're looking for artists to create 200 murals honoring the history of the city and its people. Fox 2's Ingrid Kelly has the story. After USA Today declared us the fourth best city in America for street art, we decided that we wanted to be number one. And for the city of Detroit, that ball is already in motion to make it a reality. Let's stress that we are all hands on deck. In fact, this mission includes the hands of nationally renowned muralist, Dr. Hubert Massey, whose work can be found across Detroit. Award-winning Detroit multimedia artist, Dr. Hubert Massey, you are indeed a hero. Dr. Massey will 
lead the city's newest initiative announced Friday by the Office of Arts, Culture and Entrepreneurship, also known as ACE. We are launching the largest city-sponsored arts training program in city history. It's called Honoring History, Telling the Stories of Our Neighborhoods, a program in which the city is commissioning 200 murals by young artists across the city to help residents honor neighborhoods. I'm just truly honored just to be a part of this this uh this movement, this celebration of this great community of the city of Detroit. Once the art is complete, it will be featured at places that are meaningful to residents. We hope that this project and this mural will tell our story, educate our, our families, and continue to build on the pride that is so specific to Detroit. You all know what I mean. So how and when can you get involved in this new project? We are going to take our time to make sure that we're working with our constituents who are the neighbors. They will determine the age of the artists that they want to work with. They will determine where they come from. To learn how you can sign up for details, go to fox2detroit.com. This effort is a part of another initiative started just last year under the city's Blight to Beauty campaign. Detroit Mural City features a mural map online that will eventually showcase every mural in the city. I think there is a yearning for our storytelling and to tell our stories about our culture and our history in the city of Detroit. And I think those murals uh, really give that soundboard like that. In Detroit, Ingrid Kelly, Fox 2 News. I really love how this campaign builds off of the mm -hmm. Blight to Beauty campaign right here in Detroit. And, mm -hmm. and there's so many components of this that are exactly what, you know, folks on the ground want to see in so many parts of the country, investing in public art, investing in young people, uh, civic engagement. This has, you know, the main ingredients of something really awesome. It really does. Our thanks to uh, Ingrid Kelly for that great story there. All right, up next, a North Carolina family is still seeking justice months later. That's right, what Shanquilla Robinson's family did over the weekend to keep her name in the conversation. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll be right back. And we welcome you back, Soulmates, and we thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Fat Tuesday. Just in case you're joining us, let's tap back into uh, some of the stories folks are talking about. Nevada could soon join four other states that recently used the ballot box to remove involuntary servitude from their state's constitutions. If approved by the Nevada legislature, the referendum question will go before voters in the 2024 general election. Let's move on to civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who took the stage during Sunday's 102nd annual Lincoln Douglas Freedom Fund banquet and called out Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for his anti-CRT rhetoric and legislature, telling the audience he would do everything in his power to oppose DeSantis. And just two months after being released from a Russian prison, Brittany Griner has signed a new contract to play in the WNBA. The Houston native will return to the WNBA this May. She resigned a one-year deal with the Phoenix Mercury. And Meta is allowing Twitter's lead. The company announced it's testing a subscription service for Instagram and Facebook users that would charge them to get verified. Meta Verify, that's what they're calling it, will start at $11.99 a month on the web or $14.99 a month on iOS. For the full rundown on these stories, 
stories and more. You can access Fox Soul's video on demand on any of our partners. You can also access past shows and other Black-centered content. And don't forget, Soulmates, we need you to download that Fox Soul app. It is absolutely free. Nicole Lott, back over to you. Thank you, Courtney. The sports world is mourning the loss of Ghanaian soccer star Christian Atsu, whose body was found in the rubble left behind by the Syria-Turkey earthquake that struck earlier this month. Atsu was discovered beneath his collapsed apartment building. Atsu played for the Hattaspor Club in Antiyaka, the southern region of Turkey that suffered the most damage from the 7.8 magnitude earthquake on February 6th. Now, the team won the day before and uh, the 31-year-old was scheduled to fly out hours before the natural disaster, but instead he chose to stay with his team. His agent confirmed the horrific news. It is horrific. Uh, sorry to hear about that. It has been more than, speaking of horrific, more than three months since the passing of Shanquilla Robinson in Mexico, and her family is still demanding justice. Now, just over the weekend, activists from Million Youth March of Charlotte and Robinson's family marched from Little Rock AME Zion Church to the local post office to send 1,000 letters in pink uh, to Mexican officials, the family says the hope is that sending the letters will ignite someone there to push a bit harder in bringing Shanquilla and her family justice. We know that, uh, spiritually speaking, the, the color pink uh, stands for love and, and, and leans in, into healing. And then it's just a, a, a bright, vibrant color. So, you know, as that mail is, is sent through, you know, U.S. on to Mexico, you know, the hope is that it'll catch the attention of the Mexico uh, Mexican officials um, who have kind of gone silent a little bit when you when you when you try to do a little research research on the um, case? You really are not hearing too much more than what we heard uh, back when they say they were going to go about uh, trying to prosecute these folks. And I know there's there's two different countries and two different uh, laws and, and ways of going about doing things. But I'm I'm with the family on this push. Like let's get something done. It's been it's been some time now. Yeah, and I appreciate just the grassroots activists on the ground that are making her Black Life Matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, by engaging in this effort to keep her memory alive, but yeah. more importantly, uh, to keep her name in the headlines, mm -hmm. to keep uh, her her spirit alive, and and to keep the focus on authorities that uh, uh, have been dragging their feet, it yeah. seems, uh, in uh, finding the folks uh, who did this and holding them accountable. Yeah, and maybe getting D.C. involved. Maybe that maybe that push would help as well. Yeah. All right. First AME Church of Oakland, one of the oldest AME churches in the San Francisco Bay Area, has been devastated by a three alarm fire. I saw this across social media over the weekend. Heavy smoke and flames could be seen shooting from the roof of the first African Methodist Episcopal Church of Oakland early Monday morning. No injuries, fortunately, uh, have been reported. Now, the church's pastor, uh, Reverend Rodney Smith, says, quote, I'm completely devastated, completely at a loss for words, as you can probably imagine. Now, the AME uh, church is the first and the oldest black church in the East Bay dating back to 1858. It was the only African-American church in Oakland for over three decades and acted as the cultural center of the African-American uh, community, as do most of these historic churches, you know, throughout, you know, our, our cities. Um, just a devastating um, video to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a, a piece of, of Bay Area history. Your neck of the woods. Um, I was just in Oakland mm -hmm. uh, this weekend, and it's not too far from where I grew up. Uh, and over the years, you know, my parents 
parents have gone to a number of different events mm -hmm. uh, at this church. And so uh, uh, it is a crown jewel mm -hmm. uh, among churches uh, in the Bay Area. And so, you know, um, it just means we're going to have to roll up our sleeves and, and come together and rebuild yeah. um, because uh, that is sacred ground yeah. uh, that that church uh, uh, was up in flames on. And so uh, hearts go out to all the uh, the uh, churchgoers at First AME, and not just that First AME, mm -hmm. but uh, the network of AME churches mm -hmm. uh, across the Bay Area, across California, across yeah. the country. And when you lose one that has that much history, yeah. uh, it, it reverberates across. But this is when you have to really, country. you really have to get back to the to the message of it being about the people. Yes, the building is historic in nature, but as long as you have that congregation, those people who are That's still right. there who hold the stories, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. All right. Candace Parker is living the phrase black girl magic over the weekend. Parker made her NBA All-Star Game analyst debut as the first woman to ever call the event. The WNBA star has broken WNBA records and even made history as the first woman to cover the popular NBA uh, 2K video game. And again, she called Sunday's game. Great job there amongst the, the dudes. <laughs> she really did good. Uh, if that's not enough, Parker, a two-time WNBA champion, unexpected Expectedly announced that she signed with the Las Vegas Aces. She is also making moves in Hollywood by launching her own production a company titled Baby Here Productions that debuted a documentary about uh, Title IX during uh, March Madness. That was last year. So she is making strides. I, I know a lot of people were in shock and awe because when we first you know, met Candace, she was young and then she matriculated through the ranks and was married and had a child and then divorced and married again and so now she's a part of the LBGDQ uh, mm -hmm. uh, plus uh, community and I know that that you know so she is just carving her own way and she is doing her thing and doing it her way and you know what an inspiration and it's, it's great to see you know a WNBA player getting this kind of attention, this kind of opportunity, mm -hmm. because, you know, for so long, you know, we've seen the WNBA sort of treated like the redheaded stepchild, you know, of the sports world. Yeah. I mean, certainly in comparison to the NBA, certainly. WNBA players, you know, don't get the due that they get. And so it's great to see that she's getting her due, not mm -hmm. just uh, within the WNBA, but Hollywood is taking notice. And, right. uh, and I'm sure there's even more opportunities coming down mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, slate for Good her. Good for Candace. All right, go. Today in black history, in 1940, John Lewis, also known for the phrase, good trouble, was born. Lewis was the founder and chairman of SNCC, a student civil rights organization in the 1960s and Congress member for the state of Georgia until he died in 2020. Uh, also on this day in 1965, Malcolm X was assassinated at the Audubon Ballroom at a rally of his organization at the young age of 39 years old. And those are just a couple of the important moments that happen today in black history. It, it speaks to our heritage for sure. We love it. Yeah, still ahead, all the latest celebrity news. That's right, Venus and Serena have another film coming out in the show that could be looking for a new home. We'll tell you all about that when we come back. You're watching Fox Hills Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. I've got to tell you about tennis legend Serena and Venus Williams. 
They're executive producing a documentary called Copa 71, which highlights the little-known 1971 Women's World Cup. What an amazing year, 1971. The event was a turning point for women's sports and drew over 100,000 attendees with Denmark's team ultimately winning the title. The Williams sisters in collaboration with Westbrook Studios, that's Will Smith and them, will showcase the tournament's historical significance with rare footage. The release date is unknown, and the sisters' involvement in the documentary follows Serena's recent ownership of the National Women's Soccer League's Angel City team. These girls, these sisters, just don't stop. And I will admit, before y'all took my black card, I did see King Richard over the weekend. What an amazing story. I didn't realize it focused more on Venus, because I had really forgot Venus was the start with being the older sister. And then Serena came on a mm -hmm. little bit later because the, the father was all about, I think he was so misunderstood, he was all about protecting these girls mm -hmm. and the balance between still being different girls but yet being these uh, tennis phenoms. I think uh, Will Smith did an awesome job. I hate that the slap overshadowed the win oh, yeah. because he was incredible. It really is a great film. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible film mm -hmm. uh, that gives us insight into Venus and a little mm -hmm. bit of insight into Serena, Serena to your start, point. Yep. Um, it, it actually it actually brought tears to my eyes. It was amazing. Right? Because you, actually, you don't see black folks from Compton humanized in that way, mm -hmm. and you don't see black fathers humanized in that way. Mm -hmm. And so definitely check out that film, uh, and you'll understand where that black girl magic, yeah. you know, and just that sort of how that was cultivated was over years from not just Serena and, and Venus's mom, yeah. uh, but Serena, Serena Venus's dad as and well. And that family was very, very loving like that. My girlfriend is cousins with them, and that was a true testament of how close they, mm -hmm. they, they still are as sisters. All right, after decades on the bench, two long-time TV judges are hanging up their robes for good. Warner Brothers has canceled Judge Mathis, the homie, and the People's Court. They cite the changing daytime TV landscape as the reason uh, Greg Mathis has presided over his courtroom show for 24 years. Marilyn Milan was the longest running judge in the People's Court nearly uh, 40 year history. I remember Judge Wapner back in my grade mm. school days. I remember Judge Wapner. That's where it started. Yeah. And then the new judge came on for like maybe about 25, almost 30 years. Before Harvey Levin was ever on TMZ. There, there you go. He, he was the reporter for the People's Court. There you go. But That's Judge right. Mathis says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be back and I'm going to find another forum, another the way to, to still get at the people in particular. He wants to make sure, you know, he stays uh, very firmly rooted in the black community and our issues and, and our challenges and our push. So I'll, I'm sure he'll be seen uh, very, 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 very shortly. I'm sure. He's not going too far. I'm sure. And I think it's also important we celebrate that kind of TV history. There's, mm -hmm. It's not often that we see black folks have that kind of run in syndication. Right. Um, 24 seasons uh, of the show. I mean, you know, Oprah did 25 seasons of the Oprah show and that was huge, and mm -hmm. so let's let's also give Judge Mathis his flowers. That's not easy to do. Not easy at all. Well, speaking of uh, things that aren't necessarily so easy, Tyler Perry is shutting down rumors that one of the stars of his sitcom had died. Right? Oh my goodness! Perry posted on Instagram this picture with the words, "This is a lie." across it. The headline reads, American actress Cassie Davis died of lung cancer. It's even misspelled. They misspelled her name. The media mogul says he knew Davis was alive because they had just talked on the phone. Davis plays Ella Payne on Perry's series, uh, The Pains. 
you know, sometimes it's amazing what can happen when you just pick up a phone. Hmm. Just pick up a phone and reach out and call somebody and listen for that voice, right? And that's what he did and discovered she ain't gone. And I appreciate that, but has she said anything? Has she said, oh, excuse me, social media, I'm still she here? She said it to Tyler. She said, I'm alive. <laughs> well, she needs to get on and, and post something and say, I'm alive. Otherwise, that was going to be already, a... I hadn't seen that yet. Otherwise, that was going to be a real long-distance call. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> All right, Jay-Z paid tribute to LeBron James during the NBA All-Star Game of the weekend after the latter broke the record uh, for most points scored in an NBA career on February 7th. Jay-Z has been watching James's ascent since high school, as most of us, and praised him for his excellent and longevity in the league. James broke uh, the record with a two-point shot during the Lakers game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the former record holder, passed the torch to James after the game. Jay-Z then transitioned into a hype video for the 2023 NBA All-Star Game. Being able to perform at a high level for a long period of time, you know, that's excellent. But long after you're gone, people, they're looking at your name like, that's what greatness is. There's not many you can compare LeBron to. A 19-time All-Star, a remarkable feat. The all-time leading scorer, all-time. LeBron James has shot at history, and there it is! The NBA's all-time scoring record now belongs to LeBron James. Love you, boy. My brother, love you, man, for everything. What could you say? And it's good to see, you know, those torches being passed on from generation to generation. You know, I, I, I started paying attention to the NBA back in the late 70s when, you know, I was sitting next to my daddy and mm-hmm. uh, he was, a oh my God, an avid uh, basketball fan. So I, I just remember the players from the late 70s on into 80s and 90s and how the game began to change, the style of the game began to change all the way to 2023 where some of these players are like, who, like for me, I'm like, well, who's that? And, and, and who's that? And, and they been able to monetize their whole careers and all of these deals. Um, and so I love the way that the, the game has progressed, but you can never forget the beginnings. You can never forget the foundation and players like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar mm-hmm. are for this generation their foundation. And so it's always nice to see them included in on the conversations and when records are broken that they're right there, if they're still with us physically to, to, to pass that on. Yeah, but it's great. It's really mm-hmm. great to see. Really great to see. Well, you know what else is great to see? What's that? Lil Wayne's rap skills. They've been proven for over two decades, and now he's showcasing his virtual basketball talents. NBA 2K revealed that the uh, rapper's joining the 2K23 video game as a playable character. Get out of town. <laughs> Wayne, J. Cole, and Jack Harlow are a part of the crossover series, which features celebrities from outside the basketball world competing alongside major players. Wayne's overall rating of 89 surpasses that of actual basketball players like Russell Westbrook. To unlock Wayne as a playable character, players must compete 
They've got to complete his Spotlight Challenge, which is available only until February 24th. I mean, what a major win. Yeah. Major you, win. You, you got to love it. I love how Lil Wayne has continued to stay relevant. When you talk about Jack Harlow and J. Cole, more newer generation uh, rappers, uh, Lil Wayne would be considered at this point with how young this new generation is, he would be considered unk, you know, big, big, big bro. Uh, kind of old school if you Uncle think about Lil it. Wayne. Yeah, he's been around for a while. And so just to see him toe to toe uh, with some of these uh, younger folks, folks who are just who have become you know they're rap stars and, and, and hip hoppers but they're also uh, pop stars much like Wayne but to still be going toe to toe with them uh, is just amazing to me and it really speaks to his his legacy and his longevity and how relevant he has stayed throughout uh, all, all the years and how the rap game has changed since he's been in it. That's right. I mean, yeah. and, and some you know some major folks in rap, you know, continue to stay relevant. That's right. Speaking of which, gangster rap icon Ice T, he's still relevant, and he has finally made it to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's how relevant he is. The star-studded event took place uh, last week with Ice Cube, Chuck D, Russell Simmons, and of course Ice T's family and colleagues were in attendance as well. Ice T released his first album, Rhyme Pays, back in 1987. I remember it because I was a sophomore more in high school. Did you get and it at the local tower record? I did not because <laughs> it was too nasty and my parents wouldn't let me, you know, play it. And uh, he has since released several successful hip-hop and hard metal albums. During his speech, Icy revealed his disbelief that he'd, he'd never been honored with a star. He never thought he would be, saying, we're really out here. We were really out here causing real problems, and this was just out of the question. Show business was just out of the question. Take a look. Last but not least, I want to thank the haters because you, 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 you really make me get up in the morning and be the best I can be. All the naysayers, all the people that wanted to end my career. Now I got to walk. I'm on a walk of fame. I mean, I hear, you know, when I see first hit the scene, he was straight up pimp. You know, his he was out there, and as as were a lot of you know the West Coast rappers Ice and the East Cube, Coast too. But NWA. they were out there, and yeah. so for them Easy to e. have like had this full circle moment where now they are icons. You know, Ice T is is the is the longest uh, running male actor on a TV series. You've got Ice Cube and Dre who've become moguls, and I keep telling y'all for the younger folks, Google World Class Record Crew. That was a very different Dre when he first hit the scene, but the Jay Z and where he started. It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely uh, mind-boggling, but it also speaks to what can be done, how you can overcome the stereotypes, the challenges, the stats, to really be something that you maybe have never imagined yourself to be. We have yeah. clear examples. Yeah, and I, and, and I think that's, that's the part of their rich legacy, mm -hmm. you know, is that they were able to transcend hip hop. Mm -hmm. They're able to transcend rap music, right? To go beyond just being, you know, uh, rappers to mm -hmm. being, you know, actors to, be, to being, um, you know, media moguls That's in their right. own right. Yeah. Uh, Billionaires. And, and <laughs> investing in community that's as right. well, right? And so right. I think that's the rich legacy. That's a rich legacy that is worth celebrating. Yes, Lord. Coming up on the Black Report, we're celebrating black excellence. It's our favorite time. We'll tell you the most stream African boy artists, African born artist when we return. Can you guess? Try to guess during the break. We'll be right back. You're watching Fox Soul Black Report.
Welcome back to uh, Fox Hills Black Report. French Montana has been named the most streamed African-born artist amassing more than 40 billion digital spins. That's right, Montana has several hit records that have reached multi-platinum status to date. He has landed two songs in the top 10 of the Hot 100 chart and between 17 tracks, he has spent 200 weeks on the chart since 2012. Take that. The Coke Boys record founder was born in Morocco, where he also spent some of his early childhood years before his family's moved to the United States. In a past interview, he recalled his mother working multiple jobs and still struggling mm. to make ends meet. Where have we heard that before, yeah, right? right? Montana said that he promised his mother that he would hustle and make his accomplishments unforgettable, unforgettable once he found his opportunity. His autobiographical uh, uh, documentary for Khadijah, named after his mother, is complete but uh, has yet to share a release date. And I can't wait to get to Morocco. It is definitely on my list. And big ups yeah. to French Montana. That's great. You know, it's yeah. great. I mean, dreams dreams do come true, mm -hmm. but you know, you got to dream big, but you got to hustle hard. That's it. And I think uh, that's a big part of what he's done. I'm sure his mama is mighty proud. Yeah, we're going to hustle on out of here, but we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for joining us today on Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelide Corte. Until next time, soulmates, don't forget to stay lifted. And go get you some Fat Tuesday grub, that's king right. cake, poochkies. It's going to be time to start fasting. Uh -huh. after that. I'm up. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can eat now. <laughs> <laughs>